Squash is one of those things where the more you learn, the more you realize what you don't know about it. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of July 24th, 2014. Yes, we've decided to talk today about what we're learning about squash. We're putting that in the uh, continuing category because we can't, yes, we've learned some lessons in the past, but this season has been full of surprises and uh, we're As is every season. As is every season because I'd say a year or two ago, I had decided, maybe both of those years, I was about ready to wash my hands of squash, but we love squash and we didn't want to do that. So we just wanted to keep trying, and I'm glad I did. Um, let's go back five years to our very first garden. And and we say this because it might be other people's experience as well. The first year was our best, not in terms of quantity. I really didn't plant that much squash, but what I did plant came to fruition. I got nice, healthy squash, and I was giving it away to people. I had plenty, even just from a couple of plants, a few plants. And um, it, we didn't have pest problems, and now I know why, because they had not discovered us yet. Those little buggers were out there waiting, but um, they by the next year, uh, squash bugs and squash vine borers both um, became a persistent problem. And that we have since learned is very typical. The chances are your first year growing squash is likely to be one of your best if not your best Um, from then on the pests have found you and they will torment you as they are tormenting us but we're sort of learning some things we can do to to minimize the damage and we love squash so uh, we're not going to give up we keep hammering away at it trying to figure out ways to do it a little better and a little better and a little better and a reminder we are still organic you know, we have a friend who said after he lost his entire crop to squash uh, bugs one year, he said, I'm just going to start using seven. And I thought, well, that's not an option for me. I'm not going to. In fact, the one time, what, three years ago, I sprayed some neem oil on the plant. I felt completely guilty because I thought, oh, dear, what other good insect might <laughs> not make it through. And so we, we're organic and we're, we're trying the approach of, Um, Well, we'll talk about some of our specific approaches. And we continue to be hopeful that if we are patient, there will be some predators who find the squash bugs and squash vine borers. And, you know, who knows? One of the things you're going to talk about is the fact that we've not had a great deal of damage from squash bugs this year. One option, you know, one explanation is we've moved everything around. Another explanation is... The predators have found them. Possibly. Um, it's There aren't very many known predators, if any. Well, there's um, a, a that, very small wasp. That's true. That there's, will that's what I'm saying. There aren't many. There are not bugs, many. So. But, and I had not seen these wasps in the past, so I don't know if that's the explanation. But, and, and maybe we'll start there by saying this year, 
Um, I did try to follow my own advice of planting early. I got the got them out, got the squash plants and out in a timely manner. That's an important part of our strategy now. And some years we do it better than others, but there's not a year when planting early wouldn't have been a good idea. Right, and we have talked about this on a previous podcast, I believe, but one reason that first bed of squash went in early is that that was intended to be a trap crop. That was intended to be a bed that existed solely for the purpose of attracting squash bugs, squash vine borers, you know, whatever's out there, so that I could then since we're organic, I'm not spraying, I'm going to go and manually kill off the bugs or by some means um, eliminate them as much as possible from those plants and thereby uh, keep their population numbers down and then plant my target crop or, you know, so that the first crop's established and... As a sacrificial lamb. As a sacrificial lamb, right, so that I can get the pests on that one, kill them off, and then free up the other bed to be... um, healthy. And so that was what happened. Um, I planted some Blue Hubbard squash seeds. Blue Hubbard squash is supposed to be one of the, I guess it's sort of like nectar of the gods to the, to vine borers and squash bugs um, to attract these. And sure enough, they've been very susceptible to vine borer. Um, however, what happened is that I didn't get a whole lot of those um, I didn't think I had good enough germination. It turns out I had plenty because the plants are huge. But I started started seeing some bare spots where I thought, oh, I could use another squash plant there. Um, so I went out and bought a, a cell pack of um, straight, straight neck squash and a cell pack of yellow crook neck. Both of these are not recommended varieties because they don't have vor- vine borer resistance. Uh, they're not bred that way, and they also, um, in the past, I mean, I've just had terrible luck with squash bugs getting them, so I thought, well, good, I'll add this to the trap crop. Here we are, late July, those plants, with some exceptions, I've had a, I've had to pull a couple. That is the trap crop plants. The trap crop plants are still producing, and I'm getting straight neck squash that are just beautiful Um pretty persistent in their production and the um and some crookneck and meanwhile we have blue hubbard squash never tasted any before but those plants are alive and producing so it's a it's a good story and talk a little bit about straight neck versus crookneck well visually it's exactly what you would expect the straight neck um is it they've like and, a bulbous zucchini. Yeah, it's more bulbous, and it's um, except it's not a zucchini. It's a yellow squash, and they this year they have been more. They have been uh, a tender. They have a tender skin. My <clears throat> crookneck, for some reason, maybe it's just the variety or something. I don't know. When I bought them from the store, it didn't say anything about there being a particular. A variety that has a tough skin, but they have had tougher skins, and in some cases, I've had to peel them. I try to pick them when they're kind of small, and I've noticed they're a lot more tender that way. But um, anyway, they're both doing fine. The um, meanwhile, that's the trap crop. Yes, I have had vine bore damage, and I've slid a few stalks as I've done in the past. You know, take my utility knife, slit it try to find the vine borer itself, sometimes I'm successful, sometimes not, then after that little operation, I 
put this, I bury the slit vine under some soil, water it in, and it's developed new roots, I'm assuming, and the plant has stayed healthy and alive and and producing. Um, Meanwhile, trap crop sitting there, next to it, I plant my target crop bed. Um, Mixed results on that. Yeah, it's done okay, but not as well as the trap crop bed. Right, that's what's interesting. And um, of course, the jury's still out on some of that because a lot of what I planted was a winter squash variety. I planted some waltham butternut and some uh, spaghetti squash, and it takes much longer for those plants, those fruits to And we've mature. seen some good-looking spaghetti squash developing. Yeah, they're coming so. along. And um, so anyway, and, and then I planted zucchini in that bed. Now, let me back up before I talk about any more about these particular varieties. Um, and I know that we've had some podcasts in the past when we talked about uh, adapting to your region and adapting to disease, you know, uh, planting to avoid um, disease. And also, there are varieties of squash that you can plant that are more resistant to vine borer. And I, I mentioned that a second ago. Let's be specific. There are two, um, and I, I credit Southern Exposure Seed Catalog for giving the, me this information. Um, C. pepo and C. maxima species are susceptible to vine borers. And unfortunately, the yellow squashes and zucchini fall into the um, pepo um, category. So they're not... um, Okay, this is sounding intimidating enough. Let me just interject and say, I'm going to ask you to provide that to me in written form so we can add it to the show notes page. I will, I will. So you can go to longleafbreeze.com and look for podcast number 247, and we'll have this information in written form with a link to Southern Exposure. Yes, yes. Great. Um, and, and because they're warning you, you know, you, when you order the seeds, all right, if you've got vine borers, these two are not susceptible. And, you know, not everybody's organic. So maybe they're willing to spray, and that's fine. I'm not, so I've thought, well, I should avoid those. But, again, like we said, I really wanted some yellow squash, so I put them out. Um, and, and for whatever reason, I'm being successful this year. Um, however, the zucchini I planted is not doing as well, but it's not because of vine borer damage. They are, get blossom end rot. And more about that in a minute, because I want to continue what I was saying about the, the um, susceptibility to vine borers. There are two species of squash that are less susceptible. And um, included in that, and I'll, I'll dispense with the Latin terms, because uh, let's, let's put it, the, the, at least the dialogue of this in terms people can understand readily. Um, ever heard of a tan cheese pumpkin? That's one that falls into the category of resistant. So if you're going to plant pumpkins, plant tan cheese. Um, if you're going to plant a squash, plant a butternut or a trombosino. Uh, these are squash types that are more resistant to vine borer. I'm sure they're wonderful. And I did plant some butternut. But, um, you know, it's it, if you want summer squash like zucchini and yellow squash, then you've got this C. pepo variety that's, that is going to be resist, uh, not resistant. Yeah. Um, all right, now back to the zucchini. Not having vine borer problems, but it's getting blossom end rot. What's going Just on Just like with that? you have blossom end rot on tomatoes. Yeah. I mean, it, it's the same um, phenomenon is you just, if it's happening to your produce or to your to your fruit look at it if it's where the blossom was that end if it kind of seems to be rotting from that end 
in toward the rest of the fruit. And in fact, I pulled a zucchini yesterday. It was just completely useless. I had to just, in fact, you should remove um, any fruit you see that's like that. Take it off the plant and get rid of it. You don't want to leave it on there. Um, But that is not a disease. It's not a pest. It's a physiological problem with the sort of like it is in tomato very much the same calcium phenomenon. Uptake yes issue. it's calcium uptake and it's usually in our area not due to your actual need to supply more calcium it could be low ph in your soil that is acidic soil and most commonly uneven watering um, and so either drought or too much moisture or uh, a combination of the or two. a combination of the two now, here's the, here's the question with my zucchini. Why do I have blossom end rot when I've got it? It's sitting there planted in amongst all the other plants that are doing just fine. And we have everything on drip. So it's getting the same level and, and consistency of moisture that every other squash in the bed is. And it's getting the same amount of rainfall, the same sun, the same, you know. So I don't have an answer. And I wonder if airflow is an issue. Except that it seems issue. to be species specific. To, well, it's plant-specific. That one plant oh, okay. is the one that's having the problem. All right. And we have a friend who has a similar issue with some of his, that he's got some plants that are developing that and some that aren't. <clears throat> so I'm still looking into that, but I know that it is blossom end rot that's causing the zucchini problem. Um, and another interesting phenomenon is the first few zucchinis, maybe the first two, were fine. They were a weird shape. I mean, like one one end of it was... A little smaller as if you know it wasn't a pretty typical zucchini shape um, so it clearly the problem is gotten it started out minor and it's gotten much more severe okay so I'll keep it on there. now I'm gonna change the subject because okay. we need to move on yeah. the one another strategy I wanted to ask you about is planting a round of squash midsummer um, I don't I've know that, that. we've what kind of results have we had when we do that uh, we will find out because uh, actually I've I've done this in the past and you know provided you've got enough time for the um, uh, fruit to come on prior to the getting too cold you know first frost you, yeah. you should do fine if you were willing to um, allocate one entire bed to a midsummer round of squash then you could exclude the pests until the blossoms develop, and that might have an impact. Well, the way I planted my midsummer garden or squash is uh, in a three sisters. So because it has corn involved and corn gets tall, I can't mm-hmm. really, you know, yeah. <laughs> cover it up. And and we've talked about this previously um, in the season. I've decided to go back to a three sisters design. I've got two different beds, um, experimenting with it to see. And and one thing. We, we're not talking three sisters here necessarily. And for those of you unfamiliar with the term, that's where you plant corn, beans, and squash together. Um, it's an Indian uh, tradition. And we'll keep working at it, but I have to confess that right now we can't tell you that we've had good results from three sisters. Mostly it's the corn. We're just the committed the... to continuing <clears throat> to work with it to see if we might make it right. function. It's, it's mostly my corn. The corn is not doing well, and it fell over. And the beans now are sprawling all over the ground because of that. So that's in the in the the first three sisters garden. In my second one, um, I've planted more squash and pumpkins. And this is a later garden. It's a so. later garden. I just planted it last week. 
And so we will find out how well those squash plants do. I know a lot of people don't plant their pumpkins until July because your your target for maturity is Halloween, so you plant it later. But it's, as you said, probably we would get healthier plants planting early and get ahead of the pests. Yeah. One of the things we've learned is the importance of keeping squash moving around. A fresh location makes all the difference. If you try to keep if you try to plant squash in the same location, the bugs, the, the borers, they all take up residence in your bed, and they, they're just as delighted as they can be to see it all and come right back. And we saw that illustrated for us out on the orchard floor where we've got a compost volunteer. It looks like some kind of winter squash or pumpkin. We're not quite and sure what it is. And it could have even crossed. We're just not and sure what we're going to have. Cross. <laughs> could be a, a bastard <laughs> cucurbit. Um but we'll, we're watching it, and right now, the plant and the fruit are seemingly very healthy. So That's going to be a neat little experiment. And the other thing about that is it's not on any kind of drip line. So no, this we is had a, un, undripped. Yeah, un, and we had un-irrigated. a dry spell a couple yeah. of weeks ago when it just sat out there and baked along with everything else. Right. So, but it seems to be holding up okay. Mm-hmm. So um, we've... I, we can't say that we've solved all the problems of growing squash. We're just entering a new chapter in our learning, really. Uh, but we love it, and, and why don't we finish up by talking about some of the ways we like to cook it. I yeah. love to make squash casserole. Your squash casserole is wonderful. It's a, a very, rather healthy squash it casserole. Is. It doesn't have a lot of fat and that sort of thing. It's a sugar busters recipe, and it is. It's It does have some Parmesan cheese and some butter in it, but um, not overwhelmingly and you just layer squash and tomato and you can include onion if you want to and then like i said some cheese and butter yeah he he likes onion um and then uh you can stir fry it of course we had some a really good stir stir frying is sort of our mainstay way of preparing squash and we normally will stir fry it with some onion and that's good we've cooked squash in the sun oven and that's worked out Mm -hmm. well yeah um, we've not been big fans of boiling squash. To me, no. boiled squash is too mushy. Don't it's like I don't like overcooked squash. So we want it. I want it done, but not you know overdone. Which is probably one of the main reasons we've never tried to can squash because canned squash is but essentially boiling it. Yeah, you you have to. Um, so, yeah, we haven't tried preserving it that way. An interesting new note that um, my good friend, um, Kathy Lewis, told me about was, because she came to visit us not too long ago, is that you can take squash blossoms. And I know we put cream cheese in there. Maybe we stuck a little garlic in. And then you bake it. You wrap it in foil or something, bake it like that. And it really was good. Yeah, and I hear all that, and, and I'm... I'm game to try it on on occasion, but for me, taking squash blossoms, healthy squash blossoms, and cooking them that way, it's a little like killing the goose that laid the golden egg. You know, I really want the squash blossom to be pollinated and to fruit. Well, but and, when it's done, it falls off the plant like the male blossom. So, you know, I'm, I'm not saying take a healthy one off. I'm saying one that oh, naturally falls to the ground. No, you wouldn't want to. That wouldn't be any good. It's got to be a oh, fresh. I've seen fresh ones fall off. If a fresh one falls off, I'm going to cook it. I'm not going to waste it. 
<laughs> but anyway, let's jury's ag- out on that. Let's one. acknowledge that squash blossoms are a delicacy, and they are entirely edible, just like the the other fruit that comes off the plant. So um, that's something that we want people to know, and that they are tasty. <laughs> well, I think that's all we have time for today. But we wish all of you luck with squash planting. And um, as you said, we'll put something on the show notes page about the borer-resistant varieties of squash so that you can increase your chance of success. Have a great week, and we look forward to catching up with you next time. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com.